and it fit well within the sermon, and you're going to see that in one of the verses we cover, of us strengthening one of God's people. That when we come together and we pray for each other, we strengthen each other. We have a younger church that doesn't understand that yet. And we have an older church who don't maybe really teach it or, or really bring it forth. But we are a people who build up one another in the Lord. It is the Lord that has to give the strength now. As surely we'll go through surgery tomorrow, the Lord has to give this body the strength. The Lord has to give this body to recover. Though man may put us to sleep, God has to wake us up. (laughs) And what I want to do is look at Esther today. We're going to, next two weeks after this, we're going to look at two other women, and then men is going to be our turn to look at men. The issue is to build us up. And what does it take to build us up? And it has to be a work of God in building us. First of all, understanding my position or your position in life at this moment. Understanding your position in life at this moment. Oftentimes in life, things are dealt to us that somehow causes us to become angry, dissatisfied, distrusting, we just come to a place that, uh, hey, God, I'm done with you. Church, I'm done with you. Uh, Things can derail you. The, The point is this here. This sovereign God knows all about your life. He knows the disappointments in your life. The thing that God has not done to us is this. He has not made any of us puppets. So what other people may do to you, though it may cause hurt or pain in your life, does not mean that's what God is doing. What you have not recognized is this here. How God has kept you while this other person is doing harm to you. And what God is able to do for you, if you'll keep your eyes on Him, rather than putting your eyes on the person who is hurting you or causing your pain or this problem that is frustrating you, that you'll keep your eyes on Him rather than that. Big difference. So you need to take a moment and really look at your position in life. It is strange. You can talk to people about positioning themselves. It's like they don't understand it. Everything in life tries to position itself. If any of you ever ran track, the coach tried to teach you to position yourself in a place for that when you get ready in that last 20 yards or 10 yards, you have a berth. You're in a position where you can bypass or you can stay in the lead because you have positioned yourself. You don't never get ready to advance on a job until you have positioned yourself. Hopefully you have pre-trained yourself for some of the qualifications in the job that you're looking to apply for. You are now positioning yourself for that that opportunity becomes available, you can move. 
And what you have to do in life, though sometimes we're not willing to do it, is look at our present position. And evaluate it. And be honest with yourself. A lot of people hurt themselves because they will not evaluate themselves where they're at in the moment. In the moment. I'm not talking about what's happened in the past because you really can't do anything about that, can you? Nor can you do anything about too much of the future. But you can deal with the what? The right now. This moment. And you can ask God anytime. Okay, Lord, what are we doing here? Why am I in this position? Why is this happening in my life? If he's the sovereign God then he's going to minister to you at that very moment. And he's going to help you through it. One of the things that helped me prepare this lesson was what took place in our home this past week. My garage door came down. And I'm out in the garage trying to fix my garage door. And this lovely woman comes over to me and she says, Come here, come here, girls, come here. And she points at a flower that's dying outside. And I could care less if all the flowers had died. I'm worried about my garage door. But we see things differently. And at that moment... The Lord was subsiding my anger and my thoughts and talking to me. If you will allow God to do that, He will strengthen you for that moment. That you won't do the wrong thing. He'll strengthen you. He can take you through it. And he'll minister to you. Now in 2.7, in Esther, chapter 2, and verse 7, if you find Psalms, Job, and just go back, Esther is just before Job. If anybody had a right to be bitter, be upset with life, or say I got a raw deal in life, it may have been Esther. Because as a young, young girl, Esther lost both father and mother. And oftentimes we think because things happen to us, we have a right to be bitter in life. Because I've been through a divorce, I have a right to be bitter. Because I've lost all my goods and my money, I have a right to be bitter and mad and angry. And what I want to share with you is this. You're taken away from life. When you allow yourself to be bitter and angry and upset and unfriendly, you're robbing yourself from life. You're robbing yourself. And she may have been the one who, boy, who felt, I really do have a right. And these things will draw you in. Anger will draw you in. Hate will draw you in. Blame will draw you in. Unforgiveness will draw you in. Being a person who, not very friendly, boy, 
you wind up being a loner and you're all by yourself and you're back at home wondering, why don't nobody like me? Why won't anybody help me? Why won't anybody be my friend? These things take life from you. They rob you of life. They rob you of life if you allow them to. In 2.7, it simply says, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadesha, whom he had bought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who is also known as Esther, that's her Persian name, not her Jewish name, Esther, was lovely in form and features. And Mordecai had taken her at his own taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. It gives us a little bit of an age difference here. Mordecai's old enough to be her what? Her father. And he accepts her and it defines him what, what this relationship went from. It went from a relationship of being cousin to the relationship of a what? Of a daughter and father relationship. Not just cousins. But the relationship changed. But what we want to look at is this here. How was Esther strengthened through this relationship? How was Esther strengthened through this relationship? God provided her with a Mordecai. A cousin who cared and takes her as his own daughter in a sense. And raises her in that fashion. Now, Esther accepts God's provision. That's important to recognize. Do you accept God's provision? Or are you a person who says, I want this. And I will not accept this. The moment you find yourself in that position with God, you just cause your life to be miserable. Because you want what you want rather than what God provides. And a lot of young people really want a father. And sometimes they'll never have a father. Now, not For some young people, they'll never see the blessing of not having that father around. As badly as they want that father. And sometimes with young people, they will accept anything as a father. And one of the best things that has happened is that that father has moved out their life. We just don't see it at the moment. But if you can see how many fathers get their sons and daughters stuck on drugs... If you can see how many fathers prostitute their own daughters with their friends. If you can see things that really happen and the child is battered and the mother is battered and beaten and the child has to witness all that. If you can see the anger sometimes that's in the father that spills out into the family. Sometimes it's better for the father to be gone. Now that's not the way God intended it to be. But she was content 
with the provision that God provided for her. Mordecai. Mordecai. And one of the first things that sometimes God strengthens us is this here. Can I be content in my present situation? Because until I'm content with it, me and God is at odds. God and I are fighting against one another because God wants this for me and I want this. And there's a reason God brought me to this place in my life at this moment. There's a reason. He wants my attention. And one of the things about learning is this. You can't learn when you're all wound up in knots and trying to run here, there, and everywhere, and your attention is going everywhere. But when you are content, you can learn and you can focus. And you can move ahead. So one of the very first things where God strengthens us is that area of content. And Paul said, I've learned to be content no matter what my situation might be. Why? Paul learned something. He said, I've learned to be content. That's a position of strength. That you can be content in the moment of where you are, knowing that God in His time is going to advance you. He's going to move you. He's going to change your life. If you're a single lady, be content. If you're a single man, be content. Trust God at that point now. Because He really knows what you have need of. He knows your heart's desire. He knows what you're crying out for. But be content. Be content. Now, she learned how to win people. She really did learn how to win people. Let me give you just a little bit of history about this whole event. Esther and Mordecai most likely were born during captivity after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and took their mother and father to Babylon. They didn't choose to move there. Their parents were there. And most likely they were born there because if not, Mordecai would be a hundred and something years old. Time this story is being told. So he had to be born while he was in captivity, in a sense, under the Babylonians. Then the Persians come, and they wipe out the Babylonians, and they set their capital in Susa. And there's where Mordecai and Esther is at. The Jewish people of that time, many of them, were prosperous in their business. They had been taught the Jewish ways, yes. And they were living that. And even Haman brings that out, that they lived differently than any other group of people. And the whole thing is this here. They were living like Jews. But what was kept secret about Esther was her nationality. Scripture makes that very clear. Even though she's been raised in Mordecai's home. And Xerxes 
doesn't even know it, and he's the king. And he doesn't even know it. Haman is a distant relative of Agag. The Amalites. And he was of the Amalites. And you study the Amalites, they have always been at odds with Israel. And God told Israel to wipe them off the face of the earth. And Haman still hates the Jews of the Israelites. And Esther has to deal with that. Mordecai has to deal with that. But how do you deal with people who hate you for no reason at all? And that's part of what Esther has to deal with also. That here's a man out to destroy me and my people. Why? What happened over a hundred and something years ago, let's let it be gone. But yet, we still have to fight with it. She learned to be content. But another strength that she gathered up was the ability to win the favor of people, even those who were her, maybe, her enemies. How many of you take time to win your enemies? And to win their favor? That they ask you, how can I help? How can I help? And that's where you want to be at. You want to be able, if you're going to be strengthened and you're going to grow in the Lord, you want to learn how to win the favors of others. Because when you win favors of others, you open the door for an opportunity to witness and share Christ. And when you win favor, you find people that will stand up for you. You'll find people who will pick up your cause. You'll find people who will come along and help you. When you find favor. And that's one of the areas as Christians we ought to be strengthened in. Why? Jesus grew in favor with God and who? Man. We have to learn how to win the favor of others. I'm not talking about trickery, deceptiveness, lying, but being genuine. And one of the things we find out about Esther, she was very genuine. Someone said, well, she didn't tell him who she was. There's a reason for that. But eventually, she tells the king. And let me share something. When you live a certain lifestyle, a certain way, you don't have to tell people who you are and what you are. They'll eventually just see it. They just see it. But... She wins over others. Go to chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Esther chapter 2. Picking up in verse 8. When the king ordered the edict had been proclaimed, many girls were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Hegai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hegai, who had charge of the hand. Verse 9. 
The girl pleased him and won his what? Yeah. She won the favor of the one that was over her who had been given authority over her. She won that person's favor. You find that Hegai also then, when it was her turn to go into the king, suggested how she should dress herself, what she should do. And he's the one who basically said, don't throw on all this stuff that the king's looking at the stuff. Let the king see you. See, men, don't get all excited what you see sometime in hairdo and fingernails and this and that and the heels and, and look for the real beauty of a person. Because the scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, each one of us. And God has created us. And God gave her a natural beauty that she didn't have to depend upon outer adornment. And it says, boy, he got Gave her favor. Gave her fa- she had the ability to win favor. And as you go on in that story, the maids that even attended her, who were not Jewish, but most likely Persians, because they were there in the house of the king, it says that she won their favor. And even when it got to the king, it says that she had won the king's favor that he gave her the crown to be the queen. Where God strengthens us is in this, is winning the favor of other people. It's so easy to make enemies. It's so easy to cause people to stand off from you. It's so easy to cause people to say, I don't want to have nothing to do with him. But to win the favor of people where people are willing to just jump in and help you and give you good advice to help you get to the next level to understand that they're in your corner. And what's happening in our culture today, nobody wants to trust nobody and everybody wants to lead their own life, not understanding everybody else that's older has already been where they have been and got it yet. They're trying to get where many of them are. And like there's some kind of new way to go. There's no new highway. If you want to save, Scripture tells you, penny upon penny, nickel upon nickel, dime upon dime. All, a lot of us say, well, I'll start saving when I hit it big. You may not never hit it big. But it's little at a time, little upon little. Some of us want to very quickly get everything that took some people a good 10 years to get. So, boy, they invented the rental centers, and we go get everything right now. Brand new. Got the house loaded. New washer, new dryer, new furniture, new bed, new refrigerator, new microwave, new everything. And then in 60 days, they come to get it. There's nothing wrong with going to Salvation Army and getting them a couch. Lane and I, one of our first couches was from Salvation Army. Goodwill. Nothing wrong with that. 
But we want all new wind right now. And even we're taught that. You deserve it. They don't tell you you got to pay for it, but you deserve it. And this young lady, she learned contentment, but she also learned how to win the favor of others. Are you busy winning the favor of the lost? Are you busy winning the favor of those on your job that can show you, that can teach you, that can minister to you and help you achieve the goals that you want to achieve? Are you winning the favor of those who can promote you? Are you winning the favor of people who can come along and really minister to you? See, I had two men in, in, in my skill in sheet metal, heating and air conditioning. I could be out on a job and I could call those two men. Both of them have passed on. But they taught me a lot of things about my trade. They taught me a lot of shortcuts and saving time and putting the furnace in and doing the duct work and so forth. They taught me a lot of things. The issue is I was able to win their favor. No longer a threat to them. We are two different ethnic groups, yes. And one of them, the kids called and asked if I would do their father's funeral. He called and asked if I would do his wife's funeral when she died before him. God was doing something there and was able to witness to both. Both of them used to attend a very popular church here in Akron. But something happened there and they didn't want to have anything else to do with church. But boy, God gave opportunity to witness, to share, but he put them in my life at that time for me to learn the skill of being a sheet metal worker. People God will put into your life to teach you if you're willing to learn. If you're willing to receive. A Frank Fruderman. I was on a job and none of the men, they had taken a boat. None of the men in skilled trade was going to work with me. And so Frank pulled me in the trailer and he simply said, Gus, you're going to work in the trailer. You're going to order all the supplies that need to be on this job. And any replacements we have to make, you're going to draw it up and you're going to take it over to the shop. Well, rather than being in my third year apprenticeship, all of a sudden I'm jumped into my fourth year apprenticeship. But the good part about that, winter was coming and I was going to be in a heated trailer. And not out in the cold. Well, they meant it for evil, God meant it for good. And I began to learn how to read blueprints and take things off the blueprint and scale them. God wants to teach you. And, and what you don't learn in the classroom, God has a wealth of people out here that he will put in your life to teach you. I thank God for a Stan Myers. I thank God for a Vern Lewis. I thank God for other people who begin to teach me about finances even. We need other people. But do you push them away or do you win their favor? Turn to Job 10, 12. 
Now keep, now keep your finger in, in uh, Esther, but just turn over to 10, Job 10, and verse 12. He says, You gave me life and showed me kindness or favor. Kindness or favor. You gave me life and you gave me favor. See, life without favor doesn't mean much. You don't go too far just with life. But when you add God's favor and man's favor in there, it's a big difference. So here's Jesus Christ even in Luke 10 and Luke 2, where it basically tells us in 52 that Christ grew in what? The favor of who? God and man. God and man. See? Don't lose sight. Oh, I just need God. No. God wants you to minister to man. But it takes the favor of God for you to work with man, not to turn men off, not to turn people off on you, but to win their favor that they may help you and hear your cause. When, when you look at verse 15 in Esther, you find that, boy, she took the suggestion. Boy, look at this in verse 15. When the turn came for Esther, the girl Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of the uncle, Abahel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Hegai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of them, suggested. Asked for nothing else. And, and, and this man, she recognized something. How many of us recognize people who can empower us? Yes. You want to look for people in your life who can empower you. Yes. Who can strengthen you. Who can really encourage you. And she listened to this individual of his suggestion of how to go before the king. Now understand, she recognized, this is not Higai's first go around at this. He's been doing this for some time, most likely. And she was willing to listen. To listen. To listen. She took his suggestion. And she understood that she needed to be taught by him. And she accepted that. And she did basically what he suggested. In verse 17, it mentions, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women. For she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a crown on her head. He set the crown on her head. Now, now jump back up with me in that verse 15, 16. Look what it says. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. The word you want to underline is one. She won the favor of everyone. Saw her. She won their favor. In other words, she was out to win the favor of people. She was out to win the favor that if the neighbor across the street 
saw that you were struggling and cutting your grass, will bring his lawnmower over and do what? Can I help you? And get to cutting grass with you. She won the favor that other people would pitch in. Who are you winning favor of? Esther listened and learned from others. She first learned from Mordecai. She followed the instructions of Mordecai. And she is willing to listen to those who were placed around her and over her. In 2.10, it simply says, Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbid her to do so. So she listened. She didn't go through all this stuff. Why? 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 Well, this is who I am. They can accept me or hang me. Well, more likely you've been hung. And we have that attitude today. I am who I am. I was watching a, a, a thing on uh, B, BTE, BET or whatever, and the thing was discussing the word ghetto. Well, it's just a, it, it, it's a place. It, it's there. But the thing about it was this. Though there was some intelligence there, they were all acting what? Ghetto. And we use that word, and it describes something to us when we use that word ghetto. And they're talking about, oh, I'm proud to be ghetto. Well, okay. I I had to scratch my own head now. You know, am I against my own folks or what? What's going on here? No, there are some things I may live in the ghetto, but I don't have to act like what? Yeah. And they were missing that. There's no shame in being poor. At one point, just about all of us were poor. But he says there, she listened to Mordecai. Now go to verse 20. Very important. Young folks, mark down verse, 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 verse 20 here. He says, but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality. Now understand, the king now has given her what? The crown. She's the queen. But I want you to listen to this because it's so important. Because the moment we think we grown, don't tell me nothing. I'm grown. As you grow older, you should learn this. It's more important to get good counsel than it is to get money. Because wise counsel will help you keep money that you're able to get. Wise counsel will help build your life. Wise counsel is never against you, it's really for you. Counsel or advice from others, you can either leave it or take it. Is your choice. The thing that when you hear advice is that you take advice and evaluate it into your circumstances. See if it fits. See if it's really going to help you. 
Take that verse 20 now. It says, let me focus my eyes here now. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. He trusted her. And she was willing, even though she's queen now, even though in a sense she's over him, even though she's out of his house, even though she has more money than he does, even though she's in a position far greater than the one who raised her, she said she was willing to still listen to the instructions of Mordecai. I don't care how old we get, there is somebody who's ahead of us that we can still learn from. And we need to give ear to it. And we need to hear it. Just because I'm grown doesn't mean I do my thing. A lot of folks who do their things wind up being dumb, empty, and poor. And he says, she still listened to his instructions and followed. Now understand her position that she's in now. I don't have to listen to you. I'm the queen. I'm rolling in some money. I've got a nice place to stay. I'm not in your house any longer. But she accepted. She accepted. Esther knew when something was too much for her and was willing to ask for help in prayer. Esther grew in this. And oftentimes for us, we don't grow because of our pride. Our pride will stun us because we will not say, I need what? Help. God strengthens us by sometimes weakening us in order that we would ask for help. Understand that. God weakens us for a time of humblingness or humbling us that we may ask for help. Understand, my help cometh from him. But he chooses to use others in helping me. Go with me to chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back his answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. They still haven't told anybody that you're Jewish. Haman has got this edict from the king now that he can go ahead and kill all the Jews take their wealth and he even promised the king that if he can do this he'll put this much money in his treasure and Mordecai is saying you were placed in such a position at at this time that you might be the one who would save your people That God placed you there. Let me share something with you. 
How many of you understand God has placed you where you are at this very moment? Your position in life is where God has placed you. Your friends around you is what God has given. You got to determine which ones really mean good to you and which ones what? Don't mean. That's how you're going to learn. God places you on the job. God does this for you. God does that for you. God gives you wealth or God takes wealth. God's positioned you. There's nobody in authority over you other than what God has placed. And he goes on, he says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place. If you choose to be quiet, you choose to do nothing, then God has another plan. And he goes on, he says, And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Who knows? And sometimes you've got to step out and do what? Test the water. You've got to step out there and believe and just trust the Lord. And he goes on, he said, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. Ooh, now that's something right there. I and my what? Who has she won favor from? They're going to be praying with her. They're not Jewish. But she's one favor. They're going to be fasting and praying with her. And Mordecai is to go gather all the Jews and fast and pray. She knew how to ask for help for something that was overwhelming for her. She knew how to ask, intercede for me in prayer. Pray for me in this. Help me to accomplish this. God, give me strength to face this. She understood that her position had changed. How many of you understand when your position changes? And when your position changes, your responsibility may also change. Before she became the queen, that was not asked of her. But you're in this position of the queen who has found favor with the king. And we know what the law says. If you go before the king without the king summoning you, you may be put to death. But if the king then his scepter towards you, you have life. And the king did that because she had found favor with the king. And here are the maidens fasting with her, praying with her, because she had learned that she can ask for help. Let me share something with you. A lot of us as Christians, a lot of times what our downfall is, we don't know how to ask other Christians for help. And God strengthens us with the help that we receive from others. 
the last thing. Esther learned how to face her enemies. Chapter 7, 1 through 8. She came up with this banquet thing. And Haman thought, boy, oh, the queen has asked me to the banquet. The king, the, the, boy, uh, they want to honor me. Oh, boy. And, the, and I'm the only one that they ask. And Esther had been fed all the information from Mordecai in a sense about what was going on. But at the banquet, she faces her enemy and she says to the king, after she explains what's going on between her and her people and so forth, and she even makes this plea, if we were just going to be put into slavery, I wouldn't even bother you with it. But because we were going to lose our lives, I bring it to you. And I may even lose mine. And the issue boiled down, the king asked, well, who is this? And she says, the one at the table. Catch that. She faces her enemy at the table. She didn't run from him. She faced him. One of the areas of strength for us is to do this. Is to face our enemies. Is to face it. I, I told you a couple of weeks ago about my little scenario about getting an MIR and how fearful I was of going in there. And I just had to face that because I didn't want to, I can't stand close places. I can't stand. My, my breast right there and it's right here. And the Lord said, just take a book. After praying about it, I asked the lady the first time, bring me, you got to get me out of here. And, and I sat there and I just asked her, can you give me a few moments to pray? And, and, and I didn't quoted all kind of verses when I was changing my clothes and doing all that. I thought I was set. And got in there and had to come out of there because of the fear. And the Lord said, take a book and put the book and read and keep your mind on that. And that's what I did. And I was able to be in there for that 20 minutes while they did that. God strengthens us and we will face our fears. God strengthens us if we're willing to face our fear. To run from our fears is to say God isn't powerful enough. To run from those things that people sometimes will throw at us is to say our God is not able. And God says, have you done all else? Just do what? Just stand in Ephesians. Just stand. And in your standing, you're going to mature. In your standing, you're going to find strength. In your standing, you're going to find there's Jesus Christ standing before you and your enemy. You have a chance to read that 7, 1 through 8. And then understand that yes, God is for you. God builds people a strength. To live a life of a conqueror. Of a conqueror. God wants you to conquer your problems. God wants you to conquer your fears. God wants you to conquer your naysayers. God wants you to be a person who conquers. He builds you. 
He doesn't build cowards. He built men and women of strength that can stand trusting Him. And if you are a woman, look at Esther and restudy it over and over and over again. One of the verses that stumped me, and I read, I don't know how many commentators looking for an answer for it, when it said that they took Esther in 14 from one area into the royal room of the kings and she spent the night there and then the next morning she was elevated up to where the wives were because there were three places for the women there's the queen's house then there was the residence for the wife then there was the residence for the virgins you had those three areas and you were somewhat advanced up and if you didn't make it the night with the king bye but she moved up. And, and in my mind, I'm saying, did they just sit there and talk? Or did something else happen? Would God put you in a situation like that? I have my imagination just to roll it. Melvin spoke today, sometimes trip, you've got to use your what? The imagination there. And understand something. Whatever it was, she met the test. Whatever that night may have been, she met the test. And she moved on. And what I want you to understand, God used her. God wants to use every one of us. He's building us. He's strengthening us to be used by him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that you're more than able to minister to us and keep us.